You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Of course, just listen to us at home while you're uh, staying healthy at home. Uh, Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And Kyle, it seems like we're getting closer to maybe... um, Opening things back up in May, and then today, Mitch Barnhart uh, had a letter out there uh, to season football season ticket holders for football, saying they're preparing for football in the fall. Mark Stoops said uh, Monday uh, that he wants it to be played with fans. Uh, to me, uh, this doesn't signal much of anything more than Mitch Barnhart just saying. Yeah, we're preparing for it. Um, I mean, what do you want him to say? We're not preparing for it. I mean, <laughs> they're going to be prepared for it. The plan is until there isn't football on September 5th, there is. So you have to prepare as if you will be playing, and you have to try to get season ticket holders in, and then they'll deal with refunds if they have to later. But you want to get the money first. So this doesn't say to me that – because I, I don't know. I, I read so many – you see so many headlines and, and – not that they're spinning it one way or the other, but it's it's almost misleading. Like, oh, Mitch knows something we don't. No, he doesn't. It's just just business, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to that. I think there's a lot to the idea that they're mostly there. I mean, I would imagine season ticket sales basically stalled completely out. Who's going to buy packages when they're you know there's this bleak outlook on them even being able to play? So there's some of that. But I think it is interesting that you've seen a bunch of eighties around the conference and the country kind of come out and say something similar. But again, that, that may be sort of a coordinated effort to like get some people to go ahead and buy their tickets. Um, yeah. I, I do think they hope. Um, right. I, I would say the, the one thing I would say is there is just a massive motivation from everyone involved to get it done. Um whatever timeline that's on, whether it's on schedule, exactly on schedule in the fall, push back a little later in the fall, or even starting in January, which has been thrown out there, there is a massive uh, emphasis and urgency to get it, to find a way to play the season Um, because it just means too much to all these athletic departments financially that are, you know, laying people off and furloughing people and, and those that haven't are almost certainly having discussions about it behind the scenes. Um, you know, Mitch Barnhart, when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago was, you know, said that, you know, time will come for that, but we're not there yet. You know, uh, that those conversations will be driven by the president of the university and all that. But reality tells you that there's probably, if it doesn't happen soon, there's at least a, a plan that says, you know, prioritizes, we need these people we might be able to live without these people and here's who we would probably need to lay off to save X amount of dollars. Like that plan probably exists at Kentucky. Maybe it never gets deployed. Um, but we know the facts of the the dollars and cents and, and these, you not just the athletic departments, these universities are losing a ton of money. Some of the reports about what presidents are estimating their schools will lose in revenue 
you know, the ranges, I, I forgot one major school uh, recently said, you know, they were preparing for anywhere from like 48 million to like mm. 150 million or $200 million in shortfall uh, this coming uh, academic year. Uh, you know, that's, that's not a small amount. And then you go specifically to athletic departments and how dependent they are on football and and basketball money too. I mean, they took a hit in basketball revenue. We we sort of talked about that story a while back. Uh, At one point, the NCAA had uh, a fund, a sort of rainy day fund built up on the event that the uh, tournament got canceled ever. It was like five or $600 million. Uh, But some of the leaders involved decided this is probably never going to happen. We're never going to need this money. We shouldn't just be sitting on this big pile of money. Let's spend this money. And so they did almost all of it. Uh, And so as a result, when, when the D day, uh, you know, doomsday scenario did go down uh, and the tournament was canceled, I believe it's what, like 25 million less for every school than they normally get some, some crazy um, uh, reduced amount of payout from the, from the deal. Uh, on the NCAA tournament. Um, and so when you talk about that and you talk about how football is an even bigger piece of that pie, um, there's just a massive urgency to get it done. Uh, so I don't think it's just lip service. It's, it's not just about let's sell tickets by trying to re- encourage people. But I mean, I think, the, <laughs> I think these ADs and coaches, everybody, if they can find any way to do it, that's even remotely safe, they're going to try to do it. They have to. Yeah. And well, there's also the push that we've seen, you know, throughout the country of wanting to get back to business. I think there's a little pressure that's being applied. Um, And you're talking about something that's, you know, we're we're about to hit May. We still have June and July before August. I mean, I I think um, more along the lines of it's more possible than I had thought just a few weeks ago that uh, the season would start in September uh, instead of January before I thought this thing could take us throughout the year. But the more I see pressure applied, uh, the more of the numbers that I see just reports uh, the way I see Sweden is handling the entire um, pandemic. I don't know. I'm a little bit more optimistic than I was about football sooner than later, but We'll see how that goes. Coming up in our next segment, we are going to talk uh, a little bit more NCAA-related stuff because you've probably seen today, Wednesday, uh, the NCAA Board of Governors uh, basically said they're they're ready to go forward with name, image, and likeness compensation for athletes. And they laid out a framework for all of that. A lot of things have to happen before it would actually get done. But this was one of the first steps with the NCAA saying, Yes, we're in favor of this. Yes, let's go forward with it. Hopefully we get uh, what we want to get so that we can vote on it officially. Uh, And that could take uh, up to a year, more than a year, most likely. But the framework is there. They put out some of the tenets of of this um, rule change. And we'll discuss that when we return here on Locked On Kentucky. Are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on Locked On Kentucky, and Kyle, uh, yes, the NCAA Board of Governors uh, approves a measure uh, of going forward with name, image, and likeness compensation for college athletes. Uh, some of the big 
uh, rules of it or the, the big uh, guidelines are no logos or uniforms and the, and the schools can't be involved. So you can't, you can't be out there in a Kentucky Jersey promoting yourself. Uh, the school can't have, which this was interesting to me is the school can't pay its own for being in a commercial. So you think about the UK football Super Bowl commercials and the players that appear in that. Well, they weren't being paid to be in it. They can't be paid to be in it, even if this passes. So then what do the players just do it for free and they're in the commercial or they're it's not in the commercials question. anymore? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I'd say at that point, look, I can go do my own commercial <laughs> right? and get paid. Uh, yeah. So you can't be in a UK jersey. You can't be in a UK logo for any of this stuff. So I think that hurts the players a little bit. I mean, it, it, it is logical. It's not uh, an unusual step. I mean, because if you allowed for that, you would be risking your brand. Like a player could go out and strike up an endorsement with a company you don't want to align yourself with. And he's wearing a Kentucky Jersey. Uh, right. If that makes sense. Uh, so- well, that, I mean, that raises the question too of, cause one of the guidelines they put in there is to be weary of is, or uh, to be leery of is to um, uh, allow apparel or shoe companies. Like they put that in there as one of the things they need to regulate. Like, so if you're at Kentucky, that's a Nike school. Could you have a deal with Adidas? You know, like if these players, yeah, you can see them out and about on campus wearing whatever they want. There's no restrictions on what yeah. they're allowed to wear right now. But then if they have an endorsement deal. Right. Yeah. I think you would, I, I think there would have to be some language there, um, you know, where look on the court, you're, when you're on the court representing the university, you've got to wear what they tell you to wear. Um, right. And I really don't think there's any, I actually don't really have an issue with that. Um, but would that preclude them from having a deal where they still do ads? You know, like I wear Nike cause I'm a Nike school on game day, but like, this is what I wear when I'm kicking it on my own, you know, or working out on right. my own. Um, could certainly cause some friction. I mean, if the biggest star at Kentucky gets a, an Adidas deal and he's doing Adidas commercials while he's in school. Uh, right. I don't know. I mean, it's, there are certainly some uh, cans of worms that will be opened in all this. Um, but I don't, I think it's all worth it to let these guys start to get their own piece of the pie. Um, and let's be real. Uh, the NCAA has only done this with a gun to its head. I mean, Oh yeah. You, you know, yeah, I mean, wouldn't... It's been, it has been, uh, you know, they have left the door open for other people to wage war on their talent. Uh, yeah. and that's what the other people have done. Uh, they've also, um, created a secondary market. Like if you, if you deny the labor, it's rights to earn money. Uh, there, something's gonna, they're, go, they're going to find a way to get some anyway. And so, I mean, it, it absolutely contributes to more under the table stuff. You know, the stuff, the strong ass offers from Will Wade and others. Um, Mm -hmm. These guys and their people think they're worth something and they are by the way. Um, And so if you don't allow them to, um, to earn it above board, some of them are going to earn it below board. Um, So that's all. I I think it's the right thing to do. It's complicated and it's messy, but so what? I mean, (laughs) uh, work it out. You've got to allegedly have a bunch of smart people. We say the NCAA like it's just this uh, nebulous idea, but it's the NCAA is made up of its member institutions and, and university presidents sit on the boards there. And 
uh, athletic directors, smart people paying a lot of money, uh, figure it out. You guys figure it out. Um, and so I think it's a, a step in the right direction, but it's certainly, I mean, the urgency of this pushing on through now feels very much, I mean, they've been working on it for a while because of other outside uh, pressures, but this G league assault, I think has, has shoved it right to the forefront. Like, yeah. Get it done now. Yeah. Um, we got to get this in place before it happens again. Yeah. Yeah. And, to, and, and to that, um, uh, to that point, I would say, you know, I've talked to some guys, I'll have a piece coming out on uh, tomorrow, Thursday, and then we can talk about it on Friday, but uh, at least one player uh, at Kentucky has told me, uh, front that just left Kentucky has told me he would have really strongly considered coming back for one more year uh, if he knew that he could capitalize on his relative fame and, and get paid some money, some real, actual, significant money while still in school. Uh, because his point was uh, one of the reasons guys go on, you know, and maybe rush to the NBA or even any kind of pro contract is to help their families. Uh, and if they yeah, knew they could help their paid. families, yeah, if they could help their families right now and still say, Hey, you know, like, it's not like every guy that leaves thinks he's a finished product. Some of these guys know they're not done developing, but they feel a a pressure to help their families. If you could come back and work on your game in a high level program, especially like Kentucky, and you thought I could make a hundred grand next year, um, and completely legally, um, not risk any eligibility or scandal and just legally get a hundred grand, to help my family yeah. while I'm staying in school. Like, yeah, of course you, you would at least, at least give it a second thought. This guy that I talked to d- basically acknowledged he didn't even think about coming back for another year, but, and wouldn't say he definitely would have, if this name image likeness was in place, but what he said, like, there's no question I and others that I know uh, would give pause to the idea of coming back and much more seriously consider it if they knew they could get some cash. I think Lynn Bowden would be one of those guys that's a prime candidate for that. Just how much he loved being at Kentucky, loved the school. It was all about, for him, uh, being able to provide, being able to have some money yeah. to provide for his son. Uh, I, yeah, I'm I don't know like the details of how... Back, but yeah, I, I don't know the details of how like autograph stuff would work, but let's say like what if you could... Well, if you could, you're allowed set, to if, charge though. I mean, you could. Well, that's what if I'm saying. Like, to, if you could, if you could, if Lynn Bowden could set up an autograph signing at spring at the spring game, like this spring, right. you know, if there had been one, how much money could if he, you know, charge twenty five bucks a pop? Could Lynn Bowden walk away with fifty grand in an afternoon? You know, with thirty thousand, forty thousand people coming through the spring game, probably. Hey, I've been to Fan Day. I went to Fan Day last year and took my kids. The lines. I'm, the lines for free autographs, but the lines were ridiculous. I, I mean, it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we know the what the postseason can make. We know what the postseason autograph market is for these guys too. Um, you know, which when, this when, year's players didn't get to participate in. I know, and I just thought cash. about that today. Like how much money they lost. Um, but that's always after they're either they're out of eligibility or they are definitively declare that they're going pro. Um, right. But if you if you are coming off a great season uh, and coming back and and said, like, you know, I'm going to have this autograph tour, um, you know, I, I think it changes things for some of those guys, because dudes have made some major coin on the basketball team with their post, you know, post career right. autograph tours. 
Well, you could do it. They could do it. The UK basketball players could do it after a game at Rupp Arena because Rupp Arena is not owned by the University of Kentucky. It's a private entity there. They could go down to the food court or wherever, Heritage Hall, whatever. They could, their agent could set up all that and they could have an autograph session right after the game. Kroger Field, that may be different because that's, um, you know, a UK facility. And I think facilities are mentioned in there. So football, it would be. Uh, more difficult because that's all on campus. But that's a, a great point about player, basketball. I mean, they could even just walk next door to the hotel to the Hyatt. I mean, yeah, you know, their agents could right. set it up and say, "Line up, you know, line up in the food court." And uh, absolutely, I mean, you could do it every game if you wanted to, and it wouldn't be affecting. You know, you know, it's nighttime. Your game's over. You're all you're going to do is go home and go to bed. If you spend an hour signing autographs and take home ten ten grand i mean right it's one hour you could even yeah. specify it's one hour and then you know you know about approximately they could estimate how many people you know would right. be how many could you get, get through, through and you know if you don't get hour, me this yeah. time get me next game yeah right i mean it could be a for a program like kentucky it could be a a huge advantage um there's no doubt. You know, and, and people say, well, the haves, rich just keep getting richer. Well, that's that's just how it is. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. It's that way anyway. You know, the, yeah. the blue-blooded programs in football and basketball, they have, you know, more money to spend on coaches and better facilities, and they get better players. Yeah, I mean, without this, is. UK has the number one recruiting class, and Duke is second, and North Carolina is like three. Or, I mean – Right. It's already, that's the, already the way it is. Football, yeah, if this happens, Alabama's Duke and Kentucky will get all the players. No kidding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's Alabama right. football is going to get all the players. No kidding. Absolutely. Um, a little bit uh, more on this is they could do um, like camps. You talk about off season. Think about if a, a player like let's say um, Tyrese Maxey this summer had Tyrese Maxey basketball camps this summer. And yeah, and he ran the camps. Gyms, he wouldn't have to use Kentucky facilities. Yeah. Right. You could use high school gyms and whatever money it's his. And that structure his, or, exists. I mean, there's, there's a private company that runs all these camps as is, you know, and they're right. not a UK. They work with a ton of UK guys, uh, but they're not a UK. Well, Calipari counts on yeah. his guys coming back. He makes those guys come back and work his camps. Yeah. It's like part of their deal. Hey, you got to, just know everything I've done for you, you're coming back and working my camp. And that includes, you know, signing some autographs and stuff like that. Um, that's free. Yeah, I mean, you could, that you would, could that really, would probably change. <laughs> you could really set it up to, you know, the, the Ashton Hagen's point guard camp, the Tyrese Maxey shooting guard camp, you know, right. The, the Nick Richards, big man camp. Uh, or if you, you want know, them to speak. do it together, Nick and EJ camp. Um, down in the deep south, further south, it's not really a thing around Kentucky, but like Alabama and Georgia, um, I mean, these uh, Louisiana, these um, uh, quarterback clubs, or, you know, these these like once a week during football season, these quarterback clubs meet. And, you know, you're a member or you pay a certain amount or whatever, and you go and you eat dinner and they have a featured speaker. Uh, so like, for instance, for the ones I've been to in Georgia, you'd have like Mark Richt would be at one or, um, uh, former quarterbacks and former athletes and stuff, but this would allow players to get paid. So like you could to a tongue of a law could speak at the Tuscaloosa quarterback club on a Monday night, right. you know, and get paid for that. 
He yeah, could one accept of the, the cash. That's one, of the, that's one of the things I, that's not real clear yet. One of the guidelines they've sort of issued is like we, we want to they want to monitor to make sure that they're you know they want to monitor booster involvement. Essentially, they don't want they don't want this to turn into boosters. Um, being able to just say like, if you come to this school, we'll guarantee right. you that we'll sign you for this amount of an endorsement. You know, you, you do a what would be a like ten thousand dollar car dealership endorsement for, and the the car dealer gives you a million dollars, and they said they're going to monitor for abnormal amounts, you know, above market value. Um, right. The thing is that gets a little sticky, like because market value is what market is what somebody's willing to pay you. <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, if a car dealer is willing to part with a million dollars for, you know, Tyrese Maxi to endorse him, then who can we really stop that if we open this door? I don't know. That's what we're going to find out. Um, but I would think that like booster clubs like that, like the quarterback club is essentially a booster club. Um, you know, could you could you pay a guy sort of explicitly to like come talk to the boosters and here the boosters are going to give you this money? I don't know. Maybe. Um but it's all going to be super interesting. I mean, when I think about it, it sort of makes my head hurt just thinking about all of the the tentacles of this. The yeah. Cal Perry loves to say the un, unintended consequences. You know what are what are going to be the the messes created from this? You know who's going to be the first athlete slash business slash agent to uh, misinterpret? You know to think to duke to cross the line. Um, to say, oh, I thought this was okay, and now you, now mm-hmm. your guys' uh, eligibility is in jeopardy. Because surely people are going to push the limits. You know, with every, even when you open things up to make it more fair for these athletes, somebody's going to push the envelope on it. Who's going to be the well, first I mean, one, to do that? Yeah, one of the recommended areas of regulation was whether or not these athletes should be permitted to endorse alcohol or tobacco. Um, they're going to kind of leave it. They say like that. Uh, endorse products that align with the university's values. So, like, there won't know, be any of that just, at Kentucky then. <laughs> yeah, for like, and for like Duke, you know, like they're at a religious you know, affiliated university. So, you know, that could come into play. But let, like, take LSU, okay? They sell alcohol at their games. If Joe Burrow wanted to, you know, say, hey, drink a beat of beer uh, made uh, right here in New Orleans. Like, how could you tell him he can't do that? Or cigars what? after his legendary uh, yeah. yeah image there. If you yeah. sell alcohol to the people that pay to come to watch yeah. him play in that stadium, how can he not be permitted to endorse alcohol? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could make a, are you, if you're not, a, I mean, he's a legal drinker, but, you know, for guys. If you're not 21, uh, you know, that's obvious, yeah. Not, yeah. Um, right. I don't know. How about marijuana? <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, in, play, in states where it's legal. Or even in states where it's not, if you're like, if you're, you know, if you're at Kentucky, it's not legal here, but it's illegal in other, it's legal in other states. And you other say, states. next time you visit Colorado, <laughs> smoke up with Smokey Joes, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, why Cash not? Daniel could have gotten a great deal from Copenhagen, by the way. I mean, yes. he could have been the spokesperson nationally for Copenhagen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right, so many roads we could go down with this, um, but uh, we'll move on and talk a little bit about uh, Sam Vicini came out with a, a mock draft uh, for the NBA. There's some Kentucky players that were in it and some that weren't. 
But we'll talk about that when we return here on Locked On Kentucky. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I mean, I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they created non-contact delivery. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. And you guys need to be supporting your neighborhood spots right now. It's important. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. And Postmates just doesn't deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier by picking up things from Walgreens or convenience stores and dropping it off right outside my door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start your free deliveries Download the app and use the code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky, and we were talking about all the uh, potential name, image, likeness issues that could come up with. Uh, with what the NCAA is going forward with, they've decided the board of governors have decided they're in support of it and they have, they're pushing it forward. Now it's going to go to uh, like all the division one, division two, division three schools and they get to look at it and then they get feedback on it and then they'll draft legislation. They want Congress's support on it to be able to enforce some of the rules that they're going to have in here. Um, And then the hope is that they will vote on it by January 31st of 2021. Uh, But that all depends on if they get what kind of feedback they get and if Congress is going to get behind it and all that stuff. Uh, But the the goal is to have it in place for the 2021-22 season. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot to be done. One thing we didn't mention is uh, they're not going to allow name image likeness for group products what they call group products like a video game like ncaa football ea sports ncaa football because the players don't have a union and who knows maybe the players will figure it out and get a union i mean with this coming up it kind of behooves them to get a union together and represent themselves with stuff like this because that could be a way the group products could be a way uh for guys you know who are on teams and not the primary guys, not the guys getting the six figure endorsement deals. That would be another way for them to get some money. I mean, that, that would help them out. I think that would help morale as well and kind of uh, possibly curb some jealousy and feelings hurt and that kind of thing. If there's a revenue share because the players have a union and they can get, um, you know, some cash off of, off of video games. Well, yeah, selfishly, I'd like them to unionize and come to that agreement as soon as possible. Uh, (laughs) I miss my NCAA football game. I was never a Madden guy, but during this quarantine, I've been like so fiending for some kind of sports engagement. I hadn't played video games in a long time, but I bought the like 2018 version of Madden the other day, a couple weeks ago and just, oh my God, I played it. It was like being in college again, staying up all hours of the night. (laughs) playing entire seasons and scouting players for the draft. It was, uh, 
but there's nothing. I mean, Madden is not even close, in my opinion, uh, to NCAA, NCAA football for entertainment. So I, I, everybody's sad that it's gone. It'd be cool if it came back. And it'd be great for the players to get a piece of it. Um, and and I think you're right, too. I, I just think with this all changing um, and to get kind of get some standards and, you know, have some power and numbers to to fight for some things. I mean, when these some of these issues come up about, uh, uh, you know, should players be allowed to do this thing? Uh, some of the stuff we just talked, some of those ideas we just threw out there, like, well, the NCAA pushes back, says, no, 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 you can't, we didn't mean that. Uh, yeah. If you've got a union, I think you've got the power to fight that. And so I think that would be very wise uh, for the players to pretty immediately unionize. I think it helps with uh, the players themselves, like um, just the responsibility and an introduction into the business world a little bit, because I mean, that's, that's where they're all headed, whether it's pro sports or, you know, in the private sector or whatever. I mean, they're going to be um, non-athletic jobs. They're going to be in, in real life, in business. And this would give them all an opportunity to understand a little bit how things work with right now, the sec has, kind of student athlete councils and stuff like that. But this, you know, if each team has a representative in each conference and they're able to meet together and kind of give their proposal and, Hey, this is what the sec wants to see. And Hey, that's what the big 10 wants. And they, they, you know, able to meet or zoom video and bring their ideas together and then have some, you know, some business people with experience in these kind of situations to be able to fight on their behalf. Uh, that with this going the way it's going, they absolutely need to get that done and and make it happen. Because uh, jersey sales, I mean, there's no, I couldn't find any mention of like how they would handle that. Uh, well, that's one of the things I assume that's off the table because they say you can't use, you know, these right can't players use can't use the the school uh, uniform or logo, and I think that's outrageous. Like that's something that yeah. should absolutely. If you're opening yeah. it up, up for them to profit on their name, image, and likeness, like it's one of the the single most uh, referenced things in this discussion is okay. So the schools can sell the the number twenty three jersey on it, uh, yeah. You know, and they've got eighteen racks of the twenty three jersey, and you know, one rack of everything else. While Anthony Davis is in school, doesn't have his name on it, so it's really technically just a generic Kentucky jersey. Like my freaking ass. You know, right. like you're selling an Anthony Davis jersey. You sold a bunch of them while he was here. He got nothing. Uh, and it doesn't seem like this would change that. And that, to me, should be fought for. Uh, Absolutely. That's a piece where the school and the athletes should be in a revenue share. Uh, you know, do I agree that people are, are to a large extent, like if you're going into a shop and you want a Kentucky jersey, you're, you're probably going to buy a Kentucky jersey regardless, but you're going to buy – that specific one because you want an Anthony Davis Kentucky jersey. Yeah. Um, you know, and so if it's 75 to the school and 25% to the athlete or whatever, fine. But to get to give the players no cut uh, of their jersey sales is crazy. Because if you get a guy like John Wall, who's a transcendent dude who, who returns your program to glory, um, you can't tell me they didn't do a, a massive number on, on John wall or excuse me, generic number one jerseys. Uh, right. While John or no 11, is he 11? 11. No, 11. He was 11. I'm terrible with yeah. Jersey numbers. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I just think that piece should be on the table. And that, that is, I think the kind of stuff that, you know, if you're unionized, you can go fight for it. 
And also, like, let's say this year. I mean, my kid's got a shirt that says I'm a bucket on it. Well, I mean, yeah. Tyler Hero, if he's got an agent, uh, if he's got a business manager, if he's got someone in that, which he would in this system, he'd be crazy not to have one uh, that would say, okay, we're, we're trademark marking, I'm a bucket. And so anyone that puts that on a t-shirt right. has got to pay a royalty to us. Or when they have, I mean, how many t-shirts over the years that these, yes. these apparel companies who are licensed by UK to sell UK gear, but then they put some reference of a particular, specific player or something on their shirt well the and, you know those throw boy tees will be will be finding itself yeah. in a lot of uh you know conversations with agents and lawyers um right i would guess under this new situation because you know a guy can't have a big moment you know they can't get a t-shirt up fast enough after a viral right. quote or moment or you know heroic performance you know silhouetting players or you know basically just tiptoeing around that rule as it is, uh, you know, in that situation, maybe that doesn't cut them out of business, but it allows the player that they are referencing to get a piece of that as well. Yeah. Well, we could go down this rabbit hole all day, but uh, let's, let's get to the latest mock draft that I saw from uh, Sam Ficini of the athletic. And he has, he, he has uh, Tyrese Maxey going and then Emmanuel quickly and then Nick Richards, late second rounder, no Ashton Hagens in his in the sixty picks there, and I don't think anybody has EJ Montgomery. No, uh, but Hagens. No, Sam been told me there. he's not even in his top one hundred. EJ. Yeah. Well, there you go. You know, I'm I'm a little surprised that Ashton Hagens isn't in there at all. Yeah, I think you know the the timing was really bad for Ashton Hagens. You know, he ended on a real thud. You know, he was playing poorly. Then he uh, doesn't travel with the team to Florida. You know, he gets in an argument with his coach and his teammates during the Tennessee game. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of negative stuff. And then the season ends, and he doesn't have his chance for redemption. Um, and then there's no workouts, and there's no combine. So he doesn't have a chance to, you know, alter perception. Uh, and so all you've got are zoom video interviews with teams. And I don't know, you know, is, is that a, you know, can you really sway many people with that? I don't know. Um, so he, I think he just, the timing was bad for him. And, and, uh, I think it was pretty mutual that Kentucky was probably ready for him to move on and he was ready to move on, but just from a, from his perspective, I might've given it a longer, harder thought about coming back. Um, just to re just to reestablish a, a positive narrative about yourself, come back knowing, yeah. knowing that people were saying bad stuff about you at the end of the year, really focus on doing what you do well and, and drive a positive narrative. But since he did not do that, um, he may, he may find himself really late, in the second round or not drafted at all and have to really do it. I think regardless, he's going to have to do it the hard way. I think he'll begin his career in the G league, almost regardless of what happens with the draft. Um, Mm -hmm. An interesting one. I don't sleep on Emmanuel quickly as a late first rounder. Uh, I have heard some positive things to that end um, and think some, some teams at the back end of that first round are starting to talk themselves into a high character, good shooting, uh, great work ethic guard, 
you know, former McDonald's all, Donald's all American guard. Uh, yeah. Like Emmanuel quickly. So that wouldn't shock me at all. Well, let's uh, wrap up this um, edition of the locked on Kentucky podcast with one little note within the last uh, 10 minutes as we're, we're recording this, it's three o'clock on Wednesday. Paulo Benchero has tweeted out that he is down to six schools. Uh, of course, we've talked about Paulo Benchero on this podcast uh, several times and uh, even to the possibility of him reclassifying to 2020 and joining next year's team uh, and what a difference he would make and how he would help solve Kentucky's uh, post problems uh, for next year's roster. His final six are Kentucky, Washington, Gonzaga, Arizona, Tennessee, and Duke. Interesting. So there you go. Tennessee is a really interesting one. Like everybody on that list makes perfect sense to me. You got Duke and Kentucky, three West Coast schools, and then Tennessee. Mm -hmm. uh, Rick Barnes starting to make some noise. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. Since the NCAA has done nothing uh, about the coaches who have been caught paying players to come to their school, uh, I'd have to give Arizona the lead here because if they're allowed (laughs) to pay DeAndre Ayton and anybody else to come to their school, why not just give Paulo whatever he wants? Because you're not – you know, nothing's going to happen. Why not? Right. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. I, I, we'll end it there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have another podcast for you on Friday. Um, Kyle has an article coming out tomorrow that you'll want to catch. You want to just mention that a little bit? Uh, wait, say that again. Sorry. I'm, I was just pulling up Paolo's tweet. Oh, did you want to um, plug what you're going to have coming out tomorrow that we're going to talk about on Friday? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll have a, a one of the exit interviews with one of the cats who's uh, leaving, going to the NBA. I, mentioned, I sort of mentioned that earlier about the name and image likeness, but did a bunch of, of questions uh, with. Um, I'll just say it's Emmanuel quickly. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, who um, you know on on how close he came to staying, whether he really considered it, uh, sort of his highs and lows of two years at Kentucky. Um, sort of what shaped him over the course of that time here, what he remembers, asked him sort of what he would say to recruits considering Kentucky. Um, we talked a little bit about his dad, sort of a follow-up to that storyline and uh, several other things. So the, I did a exit interview series last off season with a lot of parents uh, this year. I'm trying to mm-hmm. get more of the, more of the actual players. Uh, some of them I'll probably have to get parents because some of these dudes become impossible to reach once they leave Kentucky uh, but yeah. Emmanuel was great. Uh, I actually interrupted his tutoring. If you want to know if these guys are still doing their schoolwork, I called Emmanuel and he was Zoom t- doing a Zoom tutoring session, working on his classes at UK. Um, two eight weeks into quarantine, still getting after it. So, again, when you talk about why NBA teams are starting to maybe fall for IQ a little bit, there, I, I think the uh, maturity level is probably a big factor. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter where you can comment uh, or ask us questions that we can answer on the podcast. I'm at D-R-I-E-E-F. Good grief. I am <laughs> at Dan D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. <laughs> Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Yeah, I wasn't going to try to spell yours when I can't even spell my own. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you on Friday. <laughs>
Lockdown Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.